Welcome to episode seven of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. Uh, I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Hill. Hey. Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. Uh, with episode notes done by myself and Kata. So episode seven, the screenplay was done by Carrie Rose, and it was directed once again by Lawrence Wilson. And episode synopsis will be read out today by Hill. Selena is fed up with the lack of respect for the chore assignments around the mall. Trudy is awake and doing much better, but will a reluctant meeting with a mysterious stranger put her over the edge? No violence. Peace. We go back to the earth. Grow our own food strong and healthy, live in communities, we care for one another, we're gonna make it happen Trudy, you're gonna be a part of it, you and the baby. So um, episode 7 kicks off with um, Bray's hopes for the future, um, where he does a little speech to Trudy about um, kind of her role in the future and his plans for like a, a nice world where there's no violence and where everyone lives in communities and helps one another. Um, uh, obviously, it's the first time we kind of see Bray opening up in this way. Um, what were your kind of thoughts about like the dreams and plans that he was laying out for Trudy there? I think Bray paints this picture of a new tomorrow when there will be enough food and everyone will care for each other. And at first glance, it seems like some sort of utopia, something they all seem to dream of. First tell. Now Bray. But looking back, I wonder if what Bray said in this moment was actually stuck inside Trudy's head much later when she's Supreme Mother. Because she tells Patsy there's gonna be a time when we're all gonna be together, all will all the fighting will be over, all will be well, and all will be one with peace and plenty forever. And it's so it, it sums up what Bray is telling her at this point. And I keep wondering if this is the dream that they want to be to keep alive. I think so, yeah. Because if you look at like where their world is right now, versus what you would want, like you don't want war, and you don't want you want food for everyone and everyone to be safe. Like, yeah, that would be the hope for someone. So I think it's just on the nose, kind of like we need this plot point. Let's just go for it. It always felt like an emptiness, like an empty promise yeah. of a future that's not going to happen. Because every time we hear someone mention it, we are then slammed in the face with the reality and the fact that few of them are actually willing to do what it would take to get that kind of utopia. Um, like when Dal first mentions it, like Sabine said, uh, the first thing Amber says, do you think they're going to leave you alone in your little paradise in the forest? Mm -hmm. You know, like the reality is you're not going to be able to have that Dal, you know, um, because he just wants to run away to have his utopia. And then you have Bray saying it to Trudy, which is nice, but so far, what have we seen Bray doing to make this utopia happen, you know? And it's just a pipe dream that you cling to and you don't want to face reality and what's actually happening. He hasn't done anything to help the present reality they're actually in. He's just hanging onto this pipe dream of when everything's going to be great and she's going to live to see it. And 
and I mean, you know, also the, they are kids. Like they don't like, I think when you're a kid, you know, you don't realize all of the work that needs to be put on towards like, you know, having a house even and like, you know, oh, I'm little, I'm going to go to college. I don't actually understand what that means. I don't know what it means to actually be an adult and, uh, you know, grow up. But then eventually you have that. I think it is something that's achievable, though. I mean, well, it's achievable, but you've got to work. To, you don't just wake up one day and, you know, you're finances are all there and you're able to afford this house on the mountainside you know in your perfect life well, you know it's very much kids who don't understand that you have to work for things is it achievable though i mean look at five seasons of the show everybody's been trying to work towards some sort of future where they don't have to scrabbing for food where everything is taken care of but look at all of their methods to get there every single one of their methods has failed to try and chase this utopia. So what if the thesis is that it's not possible? Well, for me, the, the ones that actually seem to get closest to it are the Gaians. And they had to abandon society to do it. Yeah. I think, I think it also makes you think about, like, what is the eventual, like, what is the dream that you're trying to keep alive? Like, they all want this utopia thing. They've got to work for it. And maybe that's not you know, according to plan. Maybe it needs to be something a little bit different. Isn't Kaisan say something along those lines? Like, one person's view of heaven is another person's hell? Yeah. Like, yeah. one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. Because I would say, like, the Mallrats got pretty close, too. And even when they were doing things so well, people were still unhappy with their yeah. version of the world. You see, the Chosen, they're convinced that their version of the world is great. The Technos, same thing. But there were always people who were like, no, we don't like your version of Utopia. We want to burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> and some tribes literally did that. Yeah. <laughs> so is it even possible? I think it just, you examine what your version of Utopia is. You know, there's a lot of that in the tribe where it's trying to let you come up with, is this right or is this wrong? And I think that's one of those questions. What is, what is the eventual utopia dream of this world and what would you do in this situation you're not being fair jack what but a rudimentary science never did anyone any harm giving her hope making her believe believe what that there might be someone wiser and older than us still around exactly why not because it's like the planets it's a lot stupider to think that we're the only ones left alive in the universe. Well then call me stupid. But for me and the little one here, it's better if we don't believe. I'm not that little. I mean, give up hope. No. Just put the hope somewhere else. Like in ourselves. We're the ones who've got to make this work, Jack. Don't waste your time looking for miracles. Um, yeah, speaking of the future, um, we have a scene where Amber cautions Jack about giving Chloe some false hope um, that there could still be adults out there in the world. Um, and obviously the unintended perils of wasting time wishing for miracles. Um, just w watching back that scene the other day, it kind of gave the feel in some ways that it was a like a talk about religion, um, where on the one hand you've got Jack's determined hope against all odds, um, and then you have Amber's kind of more practical outlook that, yeah, we need to kind of live in the now and focus on the now. Um, yeah, the, obviously the, the, the subject of religion comes up numerous times, obviously with Tai San and the Chosen, but um, what do you kind of think about 
or religion itself? Um, and do you think it has a place in a post-apocalyptic society? I think it was a good move to bring religious, religion in. All these kids come from different backgrounds, and for a lot of them, they probably grew up with religion in their lives. I mean, you can see this later in Taisan, but also soon enough in Chloe, who's actually seen praying, even though she also prays for Bluebell. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of them are at that age where they would just start to question with a, do I believe there's more out there? Or is it just all that we can see? And with no adults to guide them, for some, religion is something to hold on to, as there must be something better for them out there, whereas others probably feel that the death of all adults is a sign there's no God protecting them. And I, I actually think that's what gave the Chosen power. So many lost children, a lot of them used to believing there is someone watching over them, but also their world ended. Why not believe in a God that has seen the world uh, that it has come to someone strong enough that people feared his name if you need to feel like someone's watching over you what if you could believe that god you are thinking of is the biggest badass there was i feel like that was the setup for zoot killing him off so early though yeah that was i mean i always saw zoot as kind of like the messiah for the new generation of like life after the adults yeah and so like that's that's why he needed to be killed off so early is it goes back to the mythos of you know we don't ever hear Zoot's plan from Zoot. No, he does say that power and chaos is the only way. Well, that's the only thing we hear from him, but we never like what what are they trying to accomplish other than that by other than take over the world somehow. Yeah. <laughs> In kids in, you know, Wellington, New Zealand or this weird city that we don't know where it actually is. Going back to Amber and uh, Jack, um, I think, like, I have, I'm kind of on the fence with how I feel about that conversation. Um, on one hand, I completely get where Amber's coming from and staying practical and keeping her head in the right now instead of hoping that things will get great and things will get better and someone will swoop in and there'll be some magical answer. But at the same time, it feels like she's being such a killjoy because she hasn't learned that there is a balance between practicality and belief you know and i i think it it hits even more when we finally get tyson and she brings spirituality to the tribe that you need both many people require some form of spirituality just to get through every day mm -hmm. you know it's not that they're living with their head in the clouds but people do need something to believe in that is important you know and it's i just like and also it's a hint at how amber has little tolerance for anything that doesn't really fit into her idea of pragmatism because she she doesn't just scold Jack for showing Chloe the radio and showing her what he's doing and what he's hoping to achieve she takes Chloe away like Chloe's not even allowed to continue or do this because as far as Amber's decided it's worthless and pointless and like wow Amber <laughs> I I get you expressing your concern that he's putting ideas in her head that might not be healthy but Dude, they were having fun. You know what She's I mean? She's a killjoy. They were bonding for Pete's sake. He was being nice to one of the children and sharing something with one of them that matters to him. And she's like, nope, not on my watch. <laughs> she's actually a great fit for pride in that. I mean, she instantly says, no, no, technology, that's from the old world. We don't need that. I don't know. I, again, mm -hmm. I don't think, no, 
she's not against technology. She's against it if it's not pragmatic at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Like, like if she if he's using the radio in a way that would help them, mm-hmm. she'd be all for it. Yeah. But because it's not being productive to the tribe at this moment, she's like, no, we don't need that right now. Poor Jack, though. <laughs> he was like, come on, we're having a moment. Him and Chloe were enjoying themselves, and Amber was like, oh, oh, I can't have this, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do I smell happiness in here? <laughs> it's a pram. Prison for Trudy. Why? The baby shots are full of them. Not as if they're on the top of the loco's looting list. It's the thought that counts. It's not going to be your fault, you know. What's not? Well, if she dies. You did as much as anyone could. More than the rest of us. Sometimes you just feel... I don't know. Responsible for another human's life. Um, sticking with Jack, uh, there was quite a nice moment between both himself and Dao. Um, and it was a really interesting scene because um, it kind of shows a bit of insight into Jack himself because you see that he's quite, well, he's more observant than kind of initially appears to be. Um, in the scene, we see Dao constructing a pram for Trudy and Jack kind of notices his like expression and he tells him that it's not going to be his fault if Trudy dies. And yeah, I just thought that was quite eye-opening to come from Jack himself. What do you think about that little discussion uh, and obviously the weight of responsibility that's fallen onto Dow himself? It's very sweet in a Jack sort of way. You can tell, I never thought of Jack was incapable of understanding how other people feel. I just think he, he often chooses to be indifferent to it um, as a protection, not because he doesn't care, but it's safer to not think too much about it, not care too much about it. Um, that's how you avoid getting hurt, you know, and I feel like right now he's actually trying to give Dal a bit of advice to avoid falling into that pit of caring and getting hurt over this thing, over this girl, you know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's been very sweet in his Jack way, you know, um, like it's not on you. You did everything you could more than anybody. Like he, it's almost like he's a little kind of thrown off by how, affected Dal is by this um and and then you know just like a, like a bro telling you oh who cares about that girl it's fine you know let's <laughs> have a few drinks it's very sweet and uh but you can tell it's what makes them so different because Jack can cut that off by you know rationalizing hey you did what you could it's not your responsibility or Dal can't shut that off you know he doesn't have that ability to just distance himself I always felt bad for Dal because he's wrestling with the fact that he's one of the only people who's really doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is this very real possibility. And, you know, the answer to that is like, well, she might die. It's okay. You did everything you did. You know, and I just, like, Jack is trying to be comforting, but I almost, like, he's not really being as comforting as he could be in this situation. Because Dal doesn't have the ability to be the cold robot that Jack does and, like, brush it off as just another day. I mean, it was the second time that Dal went out to get stuff for Trudy, who he barely knew. I mean, he, he didn't just risk his life getting the antibiotics, but during Trudy's labor, he was the one to go out to try and find stuff. All the stuff that Bree should have had! 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is very true, Zvane. You are right. Well, it, it's sweet to see how caring Dell is in that. But when I think about Jack's response, it's yeah, it's something we see later on as well. Jack just Jack doesn't like, know how to people very well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's hilarious to see when he meets Ellie eventually. It's just a bit nice that he did pick up on that because um, yeah, obviously he he's got his head in the crowd in the cloud with the radio and everything else, and yeah, that he picked up on that that he could yeah. He, kind of see see that in Dao. That was quite cool. Yeah, and, and he's the only one to give Dell credit for doing that and telling him that he did all he could. I just think it's also because they spend a lot of time together. Like, at this point, whenever Dell's not with Trudy or helping Trudy, he's with um, either Amber or Jack. Besides, this is a world where you have to learn to get by without anybody patting you on the back. Like... Mm -hmm. You're not going to be getting validation from other people. <laughs> yeah, but even Amber doesn't give him the proper validation for that. Amber's a little busy, though. Yeah, she's got her hands full. And Del knows it. He clearly doesn't yeah. hold it against her. So I think that's actually why he's mostly with Jack at this point, too. Is like, when you see Dal, he's mostly with Churi or Jack at this point. I mean, you don't see anybody saying that to Amber, of all the things she's doing. Yeah. You know? So True. if Dal gets it, he totally does. Sometimes you got to be an ass. You can just, all you can do is just... Put your head down and work. That's all you can do. Yeah. I'll save the film with this. Well, we had it out on video at home, didn't we, Pa? We had a nice house. I miss it. I miss my mom and my dad. <laughs> um, sticking with emotions, um, let's move on to another little touchy moment in the show. Uh, where we see the kids, Patsy, Paul, and Chloe are playing um, an old board game, um, and we they suddenly miss their parents. It was it was a quite a nice like little moment for the kids because um, we see Paul suddenly comforting Chloe. Yeah, what do you think about kind of how the kids have coped kind of with the virus and everything so far? Crazy coping skills, like you know, I almost want to see the kids who didn't fare off very well like here we have a group of kids who i was just thinking that yeah figured like, out how to be a tribe and how to do that but where are the kids who like can't function like who don't understand like my mom is gone like i am six years old and suddenly i have to learn how to cook for myself like all these kids would probably be screwed are we gonna hint of one at the tribal gathering later on the little girl yeah. who comes up to Chloe and she's freaking out, talking about, oh, yeah. I don't know adults yeah. are. They're not gone. And Chloe's like, what the frick? And, you know, Amber pulls yeah. away saying that, you know, you know, Bray But even her, then, like, like yeah. so many kids, they just can't cope. And you're just imagining that child's life on the street. But <laughs> I almost want like, I wish we saw that more and not so much, like, at the, like, that one little instance of that. Like, where, where are they now? Where are these random kids in the street, like not being okay well we keep we keep getting hints of them again this isn't really about the world you know it's about these mall rats and so we do get hints of the kids who aren't coping every now and then we get to see them out on the street and seeing how they function and how messed up they are even season five even though i don't really care for that season gives us an insight under the crazies who are living in the street who cannot cope how they've grown up the last few years living out there and are just twisted in the head. <laughs> yeah, but ju just look at, like, Charlie and Mouse. The moment they come in, 
I we have no clue who's been taking care of them for the first three seasons. Oh, they told you they were taken in by older tribes that abused them. Yeah, but so they so they ended up with tribes like the Locos or the Demon Dogs, yeah. probably for slave labor, because they make it clear they weren't nice to us, you know. And um, yeah, they just got taken off the street when they were very very young, probably abused severely, and this is just them on their own again. I think they, this is where like Celine definitely needs a lot of praise here because obviously taking the kids um, and giving them that kind of emotional support to continue on, I think, is really important. Yeah. I'm glad they found, she found the kids when she did. But if, if I think about how the kids are doing in the mall, I still love that little moment between Paul and Patsy when she says, yeah, I don't know when next Christmas is either or where we're going to get a tree from. It's like they're still thinking about some stuff from the past, but they're also, yeah, living in the now with a, yeah, we have no clue what's going to happen. Well, think about it. For children, we it's the adults who define what their life is supposed to be. Adults are the ones that tell them what's important for them to even think about. So with the adults suddenly gone, there's no one to tell the kids that, oh, by the way, all those things that you used to be taught to care about, they don't actually matter. So the kids are still on that program of thinking about the stuff that they were taught to think is important, like Christmas trees and holidays and there's no one to say, yo, that none of that stuff actually matters. You know, these are the new things you have to be concerned with. And, and it's such an innocent, oh, such an innocent thing, you know. Um, it's just yeah. think about a five-year-old who's suddenly just like, I don't know what to do about lunch. I know lunch is supposed to come. You know, and I know that it happens. I don't know how lunch happens. It just does, you know. And that's these kids. They know things mm -hmm. like supposed to happen, but they don't know how it happens because they're the children. And so yeah. now they're stuck wondering if it's going to happen. Will I have a birthday? When, when is my birthday? When does it come? You know, and at least Patsy gets one. <laughs> yeah. Without her brother. <laughs> yeah. But she's the only kid to ever celebrate a birthday. Well, it didn't go well, so I don't think anyone wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of set the, set the president, yeah, we don't have no more birthdays. <laughs> it didn't make anyone feel all that great. <laughs> As if you care. Come here. I'll show you how much I care. I'm not going to wait around forever, Zandra. You will unless you change your attitude. I've stuck with you. I've looked after you. What more do you want? For you to be more like Bray. You're on dangerous ground. I mean the way he cares about Trudy. Bray can take a running jump. I mean it, Zandra. I'm getting rid of him. His girl and the bread. Whatever it takes. Oh, this next one's fun. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, the seven words that no one should ever say to Lex. <laughs> For you to be more like Bray. Oh, let's talk about that scene. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, Lex and Zandra, um, where Zandra tells him point blank that he needs to be more like Bray. Um, specifically that he needs to care more about her like he like Bray cares about Trudy. Obviously, it's a really interesting thing for Zandra to say because obviously she knows that um, if she ever gives in to Lex, um, then that's kind of it. His interest is going to be gone. She gives him what she want, he wants. So she kind of needs to play it very carefully. But um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts about what Zandra said and kind of her feelings for Lex? She knew exactly what he was saying to him. Yeah, she was pushing his buttons. <laughs> that was that was calculated. Hilarious, though. Mm -hmm. It was. 
but it really does get to the heart of why, even though, you know, Bray has lots of issues, um, and then as adults, we can see them. Just that fact that she says that really points out why he is attractive to young women. You know, um, he's caring, he's compassionate, he's gentle. And this is something that is desperately needed in this world. And even Zandra, who can appreciate Lex the way others can't, you know, and she likes, you know, his big bad side and she appreciates how he protects her and stuff. Even she requires some sensitivity and understanding and knowing that she'll get emotional support from her partner, you know. And so I do think it really cuts to the heart of why Bray was a fan favorite for many young girls. You know, even though, again, he's certainly not perfect and um, has lots of problems and I would never date him. But <laughs> like, I, I, I do think that she cuts right to the heart of the matter. Like, she does care about Lex, but he is missing this quality, you know, caring about other people, being emotionally supportive, you know, and that she just wants that from him. And you can see her frustration because she really does like Lex. Why can't he just be, have this one thing like Bray, you know? Because she doesn't want Bray. She's not interested in him. No. Mm. No, he's way too nice. I She's guess. not even that attracted to him. She gets why the girls are attracted to him, but he doesn't he doesn't do anything for her. So, you know, we it's clearly she wants Lex. She just needs that emotional support from that side of him. And she wants to believe it's there so bad. So bad. <laughs> why can't you just give that to me and you could have me, man? <laughs> do you think she should have like chosen her timing a bit better no <laughs> no <laughs> why should she why should she walk eggshells for him you mean rig during these few, first few seasons he's always in a bad mood there was no good time she could have said <laughs> that's true yeah that's true. <laughs> and he already really just really hates bray he really really hates him so there was no good time she could have said it at least he knew that this was exactly how she could get lex to keep his focus on her you know he he wants Bray gone even more because he said that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that made it even worse. <laughs> he was like, yeah, now that's it. Bray's going to be gone. <laughs> if it's the last thing I do, yep, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. You're on dangerous ground. I love the way it delivers that line. <laughs> but it also is a good uh, hint at the fact that it doesn't really matter what Bray does. Lex hasn't liked him on sight. Lex will even admit to this later that from the moment yes. he saw Bray, before Bray had done anything to deserve his distrust. He just didn't like him. He's never liked the cool guys, as he says. And uh, so it's just these hints that no matter what, it doesn't really matter what Bray does, Lex just wants him gone so badly. <laughs> you know, Bray is such a threat to his own sense of masculinity and power. He just, oh, he wants him gone so bad. And he's almost self-destructive about it, too. Like, later on this episode, you'll see that he kind of ruins things for himself because of this obsession with getting rid of Bray and, by extension, Trudy. Now, that was something that did make me wonder, though. I mean, he wanted to get rid of Trudy, but why did he want her gone? Did he just want her gone because of Bray? I or do think it was, by extension, Bray. I mean, Trudy is annoying in the sense that he didn't want her there, but it really, I think it has way more to do with Bray. Yeah. yeah. She hasn't done it now. No, but see, the image of Trudy with the, bra with the baby and, yeah, I, I'm wondering if Lex fears that it's going to give Sandra ideas of a happy family while he's very much not ready for that at that moment. Mm. They'd have to be having sex first. 
Yeah, I think that's like way far out of his scope of thinking right now. She can't even get he can't even get her to invite her him into her boudoir, so she ain't thinking baby with him. But she does make some lovely comments about oh, but it's such a cute little thing. It wouldn't be nice to have a cute little baby. Yeah, but once again, everyone thinks having a baby is cute until you actually have to deal with it. And And you see that the second she has to do anything, she doesn't want to deal with the baby. Sandra doesn't want a baby. She likes yeah. to borrow a baby. She likes the idea of a baby. <laughs> Without nappies. Yeah. She likes <laughs> the idea of a baby. It's like, oh, okay, somebody else. And she knows that. She's willing to admit that about herself. She gets mm-hmm. Like, I don't want a baby. I just like to borrow people's babies. <laughs> you know, when they're cute. <laughs> and I think she's just needling Lex. Because he comes in to, just to make a fuss. Again, how how come you got the baby? I don't want them dumping their kid on me. And it's like nobody did. You're not even around. <laughs> this has nothing to do with you. You're just fussy. Well, it goes back to the point that he makes about having another body in the mall. He doesn't want that because it's still it's dumping another body, and that wasn't the terms of them staying in the mall. Yeah, but if it would have been a hot girl, he would have been fine with it. Uh, even if the hot girl was useless, he would have been fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's, he's making the point that they're parading the kid around and it's, they it's voted a, it out. Yeah, it's just annoying. That's all it is. He doesn't have a reason for it. He's just annoyed by it. There's no rational reason for him to really hate Trudy and that baby as much as he does. He hasn't been bothered by them. He hasn't had to take care of them. He hasn't had to go and get anything for them or sacrifice anything for them. He's just annoyed that they freaking exist. He's annoyed because he voted them out and they would have been out. And then everyone changed their mind, which means majority rules. And he conveniently keeps forgetting that the only reason he's even a part of the tribe after he threatened them and chased them was simply because they didn't have a choice and needed protection. Because they were afraid of Bray. You know, he's just that big of a hypocrite, you know. And I think that actually you hit on the point. Because he knows that the only reason he's out of that cage is because of them being afraid of Bray. So suddenly, we don't, we don't have a fear of Bray. Bray is not our enemy. And they can turn and now turn on Lex. Like, we let you out. This is kind of we're going back on what we said because in the long run Bray is more of a a person that we need versus you there's some validity to that definitely you know like you know that that was the whole reason they took him out and he knows that and yeah he knows that so so Lex's fear of obsolescence is basically what makes him so (laughs) self-destructive I wouldn't say that but like he he knows that the only reason they let them out him out is because they thought he needed to protect them. And when you're not having to protect someone from the big bad monster, the big bad monster isn't what you think it is. Now, you know, it makes you think like why did we let you out? Should we have done that? Maybe we shouldn't have. Hey, why don't we go back on what we said? Well, he's not doing a good, if that's his concern, he's doing a very terrible, terrible time um, getting them to think otherwise, because all he's done is threaten and make a big fuss and be a pain in the ass ever since. 
So if they ever if they ever were thinking, gee, maybe we shouldn't we don't really need Lex here anymore, uh, they have every reason to make him go because he's but been he's, absolutely useless to them. Yeah, but he's constantly going and saying, Hey, this is why you shouldn't have Bray around. Where is Bray? He left his kid and his brat. Like that's the thing that we said we shouldn't do. So, you know, this we yeah, shouldn't he- keep them around. Like he keeps on putting it back on Bray and everything. And he really should just be trying to make allies with these people instead of, you know, threatening them all the time. Yeah, but he he keeps trying to get them to see Bray as as an evil. That's that's what I'm saying. His focus is on Bray when it's really not helping his case. Oh, it's not, but it does make sense. But it makes sense to him at the time. Why look at me? Look at this guy. Don't put me back. Don't put me on the outs when this guy's doing this. But it always backfired on him because then Bray proves that he was like his intentions were good after all, and everyone's like, "Oh, okay, we totally understand." Bray. <laughs> but that's why the conflict is there. Would have they been so forgiving though if Zoot had been Lex's brother? I think it depends on the circumstances. You know, it again. You know, I mean, we're not there in the conversation yet, but I and I'll bring it up then. But I think it would depend on the circumstance of how Lex brought his brother into the mall. Oh yeah, that's a fun discussion for the next episode. As Amber's food deputy, I'm not authorized to give you any more. Amber's food deputy. Come on, Celine, I'm a growing boy. Same's true for Ryan. Not as much brain to feed. And Dal? Not as much muscle. Uh, so let's talk about Celine for a little bit, because um, we see later on in this episode, um, she kind of makes a defiant stand as Amber's food deputy. Um, and tries to control the rationing, um, which obviously everyone is not having at all. Um, uh, but what do you think about the kind of the way she kind of assumed that kind of mantle of power? Because she kind of did it in a really adult, preachy way. Um, she went about it the wrong way. She did, didn't like, she? You know, it. It's kind of like you attract more flies with honey than. Hold on, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like. She just went about it the wrong way. And she got what she was kind of deserving, I guess. Like, you can't do that to a group of kids. Like, they're hungry. And the conversation went south very fast. Pitsy had a very good point. Mm -hmm. She did. I feel bad for Celine. She's trying to be logical with them. You know, she's trying to be positive. Let's just do this all together. You know, she's pointing out the fallacy in their logic. You know, that's exactly what I would have done at her age because I wouldn't have had that kind of experience in getting a bunch of people on board with something they don't want to do. So, yeah, at 15, I probably would have presented the situation exactly the way Celine did and felt really, really helpless when they just couldn't get through to them. But it also sets the stage for how clever the ladies have to be later, which I think is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Because these kids aren't listening to logic, (laughs) so you have to get manipulative. I, I had to laugh about Zandra instantly taking Lex's side, though, because it's so obviously in her favor to do what Lex wants. <laughs> Plus, it gets her out of getting her hands dirty. I think it's interesting that you, you see is that even the most level-headed members of the tribe in this moment refuse to be logical about it. Like, you got Dal, you got Jack. You'd think they'd be smarter than this, you know what I mean? But even they're like, I don't care, I just want to eat, I don't care about dishes. Like, wow, you're all a pain in the ass, every single one of you. But that, you know, it goes back to being kids, too. Like, Exactly. You know, 
you're a kid. Your mom clears the table like they do the dishes. Who would have thought if you left dishes out with food, you would get rats and things? Like, it doesn't cross your mind because you haven't had to deal with that at, you know, 12 or whatever have you. Or maybe you have. It's just without any you have to do it. Exactly. Like, you, I don't think any of our parents would have let, you know, the rats come into the house. Like, I know my mom wouldn't. Like, there was never, you know, dishes in the sink. So you were never put to the extreme that they were of having a massive amount of people and a mass amount of empty dishes. I want to say that I would be super sure about the dishes, right? I want to say that. I want to say I'd be like Celine and I'd recognize this needs to be done because I was an oldest child and the dishes were my duty. I had to do them every night. My mom was a taskmaster about those dishes. If I didn't do them right, she would wake me up at two in the morning and make me do them again. You know what I mean? Like I was a dish girl, but (laughs) I moved out on my own and there's no one to tell me to do the dishes. I got so bad at not cleaning my dishes that instead I would just buy more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my sink, the counter, everything was full of dirty dishes. I would just go out and buy more pots and pans, more there was, a creature, there was a creature living in my sink. I think it was like the aliens from Star Wars. But anyway, um, like it was there. I, and that was a grown woman who knew how to take care of the stuff and that I needed to. But the minute I was on my own and I didn't have to. <laughs> and that's exactly. Invented dollar stores. But I mean, that's that's kind of like the point they're making is like these kids are forced to do it themselves and there's nobody telling them to do it. And this is what happens. Yep. This is the life lesson we learn. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do think Celine kind of went about it the wrong way. That's just my point. No, I agree with you. I think because she doesn't have the experience, you know, of dealing with a group of people, how do you get them to get on board? I would handle it so different now than I would have at 15. She's, she's trying bribery with a, ah, you have to do this because otherwise you can't have food. On a lot of people, that would work. But I think with the group that's in the mall rats, when you give people absolutes, especially that group, it backfires on you. Like, we have to do this. That, no, I, no, we don't. I, I don't think that Celine expected someone as sane as Dal to um, agree with Lex on this. Yeah. She just, she didn't read her audience. She, she, assumed she definitely didn't. That's all. Yeah, she assumed she'd have more, more support. And I totally understand why she did. She's being completely logical about the situation, but, you know, deal with a bunch of hungry kids who, she's no authority. If Ember said the same thing, she would probably have gotten away with it. Mm. She would have, she might have gotten Dal and Jack definitely on her side, and I think... You know, she would have had Celine and most likely the kids, you know, and then you would have had Zandra who would be waffling a little bit. But uh, yeah, Celine hasn't, she hasn't uh, got her XP up yet. (laughs) (laughs) Celine would have probably been able to get Zandra to dry dishes, just not clean them. (laughs) Touch clean plates, sure. Dirty plates, no way. You've all been great taking care of me and and the baby, of course. (laughs) She's awake. Go to mommy, sweetheart. Isn't she just the cutest thing? You're so lucky. Aren't I? Moving on to um, Trudy. Um, Obviously, we see her recovering throughout the episode. Um, 
and there's a obviously a telling moment where she finally gets to hold her baby um and obviously reflects sarcastically um at just how lucky she is um just looking back on that little scene did anyone catch that she was having serious issues with the baby or did it kind of go over your head back then hillary dumb hillary didn't know <laughs> <laughs> i did but um yeah for me trudy not wanting to hold the baby not wanting her near her instantly it just obviously felt seemed like she didn't feel the connection there that something's wrong this baby feels like a burden to her and i still think if bray really was the baby's father she would have probably shown more affection but it just seems as if the baby is a reminder of something bad and then yeah later on when you see trudy and bray arguing about someone she doesn't like that wants to see her and it's someone Bray saw yesterday, it becomes instant, at least to me, it became instantly clear that the one who wants to see her is Zoot. And why would Zoot beg to see Trudy? She doesn't like him. She doesn't like the baby. So for me, that was actually the, the thing that made me wonder if Zoot could be the baby's dad. Um, when I saw the look on her face, I, my heart went out to her. I wasn't a mother yet, but... Um... I had, you know, experienced with through friends and family postpartum depression and uh, understood the fallacy that every mother immediately feels a connection to their child and that if you don't, you're going to be a bad mother and all that crap. So the minute I saw that look on her face, I just, I got it. I understood right away what this young girl must be thinking and just the thought that this new being in life now requires you for everything let alone the fact that she didn't she most likely didn't want to be a mother this wasn't planned and this is the end of the world it's the worst situation she could ever dream of being a parent and and now your every thought is going to be consumed by this new person nothing you will ever do ever again will be just yours they will always require you you know and and just that, that fear, the anxiety that comes with it. You didn't ask for this. You didn't really want it. Hey, even when you do want it, even when you plan down to the number, like, I want this baby. This is how I'm going to do it. I can't wait. You can still have that moment where you have the child and the reality of it hits you. And you're not feeling that connection at the movies and the books and the magazines all told you you should feel. And you immediately feel like there's something wrong with you for not feeling it, you know, and the fact that she refuses to hold the baby is almost a sense of if I don't hold her, I don't have to take on that responsibility that's waiting for me. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can just put it off a little longer. Because you'll notice Bray doesn't hold her either. You know? He avoids holding the baby as well. And when he comes back, when Amber finds him watching over Trudy while she's still recovering and you know she's checking in on him, are you okay? And all that stuff. And she's like, Don't you want to see your daughter? And the look that he gives that shady look and, oh, I'm sure she's fine. And he immediately deflects. Even he doesn't mm -hmm. want to carry the responsibility. Even he's trying to find a way to avoid it as long as possible. So he can get someone else into the picture. That also on. probably has to deal with, like, them being so young as well. Like, oh, oh yeah, shit. Like, I'm, I'm a kid myself having to now deal with a kid. Maybe if I don't hold it, it will just go away. Like, <laughs> you know that's that's got to be hard like i you know i'm 31 years old i don't want a kid if i wound up with a kid i'd just be like um maybe if we leave it here it will disappear like ah uh, you know where to send it 
Heck, when my, my ex-husband and I we were dealing with our child early in the days, we had moments like that. We'd laugh about them, of course, where the baby would just be screaming, like screaming. And we would just throw him in the nursery yeah. and shut the door and be like, maybe we just hide. It'll stop. Yeah, and like, you know, that's, this is an adult. Like, have those feelings, like, at 14. You know, especially when it's, you're having a hard time coping with having to deal with yourself. I can't even imagine. Not only is she a teen mom, but she's a teen mom with mom without a mom, without a mom, without grandparents to fall back on, without any stability whatsoever. Yeah, she's basically standing on the beach as the tide is going out and the sand is shifting under her feet. And then there's someone like Lex trying to push her towards the sea. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, that also goes back to the whole like, yes, it's a support system to deal with this child that we don't really know how to deal with, but. Once again, it's a child. We don't know how to deal with it. You know, we can barely provide for ourselves. Now we have to look after this baby that, you know, we were just babies not too long ago ourselves. There's also a weird feeling after you've um, carried a baby mm -hmm. inside of you. You think it's hard enough when you have them inside. But it's once they're born, it suddenly hits you that they were in a safe little compartment that did everything for you. You know what I mean? All you had to do is carry the compartment. You didn't have to do anything else. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're not in that compartment. And it hits you like, you have to do everything now. And you're just like, wow, I would really rather be pregnant again, as much as that sucked. Nope, nope, never had that thought. <laughs> I did. I totally did. I was like, this was so much easier when you were just kind of a part of me. Uh, I think that, for me, it might be because my pregnancy was just pure hell. So I was glad to be done with that. Okay, can I, this is nitpicking, but... Dude, well, somebody gives this girl a change of clothes. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. I'm sitting there like, Trudy is wearing the same clothes that she gave birth in, okay, that her water broke in. She's been in these sheets where she's been sick mm -hmm. for days. They've been talking about how bad she's been sweating. She got an infection from, you know, low, bad hygiene, and nobody has given this child a sponge bath. I'm like, she must smell so bad. She must be so uh gross. She must feel so disgusting. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that, though. Like, they're... Yeah. If you, have Celine, gross, you have Celine referring to the baby starting to smell, and yeah, as you say, why don't they realize that Trudy's starting to smell as well? It's how she got the friggin' oh. infection, I'm pretty guys. sure at this point everyone, like, can't smell it because they all stink, too, though. Because think about it. Like, they're... We don't see people changing their clothes that often, like, at all. Apart from Zandra, Zandra yeah. had plenty yeah. of clothes. Yes, the only she, one who really... Zandra's the only yeah. one. And, I mean, she's hanging out with Lex and Ryan, who probably smelled <laughs> just as ripe as everyone else. I don't know. Have you smelled a rum after a woman gave birth? <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> kind of tops things. Yep. Though I, I don't want to know what menswear smells with Lex and Ryan sleeping in there. <laughs> well, just... Oh Imagine goodness. walking in to a room full of nerds that have been doing Dance Dance Revolution. And that was probably the smell Lex has. And Ryan. Especially since Lex is dependent on like, wearing those leather pants. Like, Lex, sweetie, they don't breathe. Take them off. <laughs> yeah, he wants to. Moving on from smell. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to the obviously our final thoughts on the episode. Um, where we obviously have a little mini cliffhanger where we see Bray meeting none other than Zoo. Um, obviously, I know Sabine pieced together the puzzle already, but um, what was everyone's thoughts about like that sudden um, meeting between the two in the mall? That was a good cliff. 
cliffhanger. Um, it was a really smart way to use the information we've been given. And uh, it's just enough to make you once again wonder if Lex is right to be so distrustful of Bray. Because now he's bringing the leader of the Locos into the mall. And, I mean, you don't want to believe it's to be for something bad. But you're like, dude, what is going on? It's a really nice cliffhanger. And I love the way Zoot walks in with his head down so he can bring yeah. the <laughs> I love the dramatic reveal everyone does with the rose. This is one of those episodes that felt shorter than it actually is. Like, and then you get a cliffhanger and you're just like, what? Like, like I was watching it the other night and YouTube, lovely YouTube and all the ads. Like, and then all of a sudden it came up where I was like, oh, it's an ad. And then I was like, oh no, that's the end. Like, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> but something about that ending though, a moment just before that, you have Lex threatening to harm Bray towards Rui, and that's actually why she agrees to see Zoot. She mm -hmm. doesn't want to see Zoot, but her fear of what Lex will do to Bray yeah. is bigger than her fear of Zoot. Well, I mean, I think she's trying to keep her options open, too, of having someplace to go if they do kick her out, you know? Yeah, because she doesn't know how much influence yeah. Lex has over the others. She's and I mean, they've already days, said you know? that they're on their way out. Like, they, she knows they've been voted out. So I think she is trying to keep her options open. And I think that's a very real fear for Trudy that Lex will kick them out and she needs to have some place to go. So if Zoot wants them back, sure, let's talk to him, sweet him up, see what happens. And she also does have a reason to believe that she'd be on her own because she she says, Bray invited me. And Lex doesn't say that Bray isn't welcome. He just says some of us didn't want him either. So he's reaffirming that Bray has a place in the tribe, but she doesn't. So there's no guarantee for her that Bray would leave with her and make sure she was okay. She does need to make sure she has something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. Especially with a freaking baby. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought it was funny because... She tells Brace she doesn't want to see him, and the moment Lex starts threatening to hurt his pretty face, she's suddenly going, okay, I'll see him. Bray should have been more suspicious yeah. of that. Yeah. He's the idiot, because it's obvious she just changed her mind out of yeah. nowhere. He just caught Lex in the room. Come on. She yeah, he was a little she oblivious to that. But see, that proves how much Bray wants I was going to say, yeah, he, he's not it, oblivious. He, he knew, but he was just so true. wanting to push her away <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. Yes, good. She agreed. Which again makes me feel so bad for Trudy. Uh, but I kind of wonder, does that, okay, is it just me or do you ever get the sense that Lex is actually physically afraid of Bray? Not just emotionally, but physically? Because think about it. He comes into the room and he sees that Bray is there with Trudy. So he plays really nice and sweet and then leaves the room. But when he comes back and Bray's gone, he lets it be you out know, how we really feel. And she's like, what? You know, you've changed your tune. He's like, oh, that was just for Bray. I almost wonder if he's figured out what we've figured out at this point. Is that maybe someone like Bray isn't the father. Maybe there's a bigger dog in the fight. And he could potentially come back for the kid. Like, and cause issues for him. Well, if he had that idea, why wouldn't he suspect that of Zoot? Yeah, that's, I mean... Him? But he never does. He never suspects that that might be why Zoot's I there. So I don't think, I don't think he realized that was Zoot, though, until... Oh, he knew it was Zoot. <laughs> you can see him. They said it was the Locos. He well, they said exactly it was the was. Locos. I yeah, but Lex met up He's with Zoot. Really, and they can see him completely. Lex and Ryan met up with Zoot. Sandra was there. 
I know, but he knows what he looks. He even says you're not so big without your group. Again, that's next episode, not going there, but I'm just saying he knew it was it. Um, yeah, on the subject of Lex kind of being afraid of Bray, um, I I do think he hasn't. He I think he's been spending a lot of time trying to suss him out, and I don't think he 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 knows if he can take, physically take him yet. I think that's yeah. I I don't think he has yeah. the full like idea of what he's dealing with. That and well, Lex. Lex has Ryan to support him. Bray has everyone else. Who's to say the others won't pick Bray's side in the fight? I mean, yeah, but you've never no seen the others can, yeah, get physically no, involved. No. Ryan's the only one who would physically get involved. The others would stand back screaming, but they yeah, wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. <laughs> Amber would probably try. They to. might be like, "Stop it!" We've seen Amber. She never gets physically involved. She will yell. She'll watch. She has never once yeah. stepped in and. You know, into a fight and said, This needs and to I stop. Think that's exactly why Lex hasn't pushed Bray when Ryan hasn't been around because I think he, he's aware yeah. that he, he might need that backup. Yeah. So, yeah. If only Lex knew that neither he or Bray will ever <laughs> win a fight. <laughs> I'm just, just going to say, We were robbed. We were robbed of a, <laughs> a clean fight. <laughs> you didn't have to worry, Lex. It would always be a draw. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So, uh, what's our favorite quotes? for of the week um i am gonna go with um the conversation between lex and ryan um obviously again about the money issue uh where lex says oh sorry i forgot our world just crashed lex someone stole our money you better call the police then quick lex don't be soft there aren't any police i'm sorry i forgot our world just crashed and I, I love that line. Yeah. Like, I, I love that line. Because because he because he's looking Ryan so much, and then he goes like, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was gone, hasn't it? It's like, <laughs> like I don't know. The delivery of that line has always just bugged me. Like it just, I don't know what it is about that line. It's just one of those like it could have been delivered better. I guess I don't know. I think it's because Lex is still yeah. mocking him over yeah. the money, so he's just being completely sarcastic the whole time and poor. Ryan just doesn't get it. My, one of my favorite lines is what Ryan says after Lex, don't be soft. There are no police. <laughs> like, he thinks that Lex is being the one who doesn't get yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Ryan, you're just 44, little sweetheart. Uh, my favorite line would have to be Jack saying, She's not just a toy to pass around, she's a living, breathing thing. She's not just a toy to pass around. She's a living, breathing thing. Zandra, give Selene the baby. Be a good girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another insight by Jack here. <laughs> but it, it reminds me of something Amber said when they tried to vote her out. It was a, we're talking about a baby, not a dolly. And here we have Selene and Zandra arguing as if she were. I also like this line um, that Amber says when they're all arguing about, again, rationing food and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Amber's talking to Lex. Because he's asking, again, somebody for their food. And she says, you'd have the babies if she was on solids. That's a good one. You can have mine if you really start. You'd have the baby's food if she was on solids. There's one moment in this episode that, even though we haven't talked about it, it's something that says a lot about Amber. Because when Bray tells her uh, that Trudy's had it rough. We've uh, all had it rough. Yeah, her, her response is, why? What makes her so special? Oh, yeah. She's had it rough. Haven't we all? No, in different ways from the rest of us. Why? What makes her so special? What makes her so special? Like, ooh, is that 
some of her uh, petty jealousy. Obviously. <laughs> Just a little bit. Look at your sense. the look on Bray's face. She instantly goes, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Like, no, Amber, you shouldn't have. Hello? Of course he had it rougher than most people. She was frigging pregnant at the end of the world. Yeah, I did like that. But I do love that, because I love when I get to see no, Amber, you know, night of all good, yeah, be like petty sometimes. But again, I actually... I, Thinking of that conversation, I, I get the sense that Amber is trying to suss out what the frick is going yeah. on with Bray. Because she, the way she's talking to him, think about it, this guy, was he went missing, and now all of a sudden he won't leave her side, you know, and she almost gets, I almost get the sense she's kind of being sarcastic when she's just like, you know, you can take a break, I'll watch her, you know, and he's like, no, it's, it is my responsibility, and I, I, I'm wondering if she's trying to get a readout on this guy who one minute can be so indifferent and disappear without telling anybody what he's going to do and doesn't seem to care. And then the next, he refuses to get any sleep and he's staying by Trudy's side and he's so devoted. And it's like, what is your game? What is your deal? And uh, Hill, do you have a zinger from next this week? You guys are going to hate it, but it, I don't care. <laughs> yes. Um, it was only a friendly visit. I'll leave you two lovebirds to snog in peace. Was there anything else you wanted? That was only a friendly visit. I'll leave you two lovebirds to snog and pace. I love that one. That's, That's my favorite. I like that one. Because where, yes, the line about the money and everything is so, like, mocking. Like, it's such a backhanded, like, pushing of the button. Like, it's just, it's not all, it's not the glamorous, like, telling someone off or just telling them point blank. It's just coy. Yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> I love that. Line. Okay, fine. <laughs> Yay, I win. Yay. <laughs> cool. Um, so that brings episode seven to a close. Uh, thanks to all the panel. Um, and we'll see you next in episode eight. So thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.